0: Hey there, friends and listeners and lurkers alike. Welcome to Espresso. and in this episode, we're going to continue the discussion from the last episode. Well, what is that discussion, you might ask? Well, if you're asking that question, it means you didn't listen to the last episode, or maybe you've forgotten after about a week. But if you haven't listened to the last episode, I highly recommend it because the topic for this episode is the abortion pill. And we talked about the abortion pill last week and this episode, we're continuing it to talk about a little bit of the history of the abortion pill. And then we will talk about some of our experience dealing with the Planned Parenthood. And here to discuss this wonderful stuff is my sweet, beautiful wife, Chelsea, co-hosting with me on this episode. So, uh, welcome, sweetheart.
2: Thank you, babe.
0: And so, just as a refresher, what are we talking about with this abortion pill
2: Yeah, great question if we just kind of give our listeners a reminder of what we're talking about with the abortion pill. The abortion pill actually comprises of two pills that a woman is prescribed by a provider who is certified to do so, and that induces an abortion and the first medication is the mifepristone, and that is the medication that deprives the baby from progesterone and causes the baby to die. And then the second medication, mesoprostol is the medication that induces contractions or cramping, and therefore the mom expels the now-dead baby. So that's what we're talking about with the abortion pill is the form that a lot of people are leaning towards for using for inducing an abortion.
0: Thank you, sweetheart. Yes, and probably, you know, if if you're not up to speed on some of uh, this stuff, traditionally when you think of an abortion, you think of the gruesome procedure of uh, extracting a baby out surgically and disposing of it and... Yes, uh, we believe that all abortions, 100% of them, are wrong and immoral and unbiblical and is murder— But there are basically two types of abortions. Surgical abortion, as I mentioned, usually for later stages of pregnancy. And then um, the abortion pill is also referred to as a chemical abortion or now more positively from the pro-abortion crowd, medication abortion. And so taking a pill and then that makes the woman's body discard the baby, you know, basically uh, deprive the baby of nutrients and then discard the baby kind of forces a form of miscarriage, even though in the last episode we talked about the difference between a natural miscarriage and, and an abortion as a result of the abortion pill.
2: And we should probably point out, too, that an abortion pill is different, again, from the morning after pill, Oh yes, where the abortion <laughs> pill is prescribed later on in the pregnancy, usually when the mom first finds out that she is expecting. So around six weeks and it can be taken all the way up to 10, 11 weeks, kind of even later, depending on the provider that's prescribing it. So this is a medication that induces abortion while the baby has its heartbeat and has the little arms and legs and a brain and moving all around i mean there's a lot that has already happened in the development at this point so yes it is a tragic thing still
0: Mm, yes and very often a woman isn't aware that she's pregnant until after what do you say sweetheart when do most women find out that they're pregnant is around six to eight weeks something like that unless they take the uh, pregnancy test they're actively taking it and stuff which is not guaranteed to be accurate but Mm -hmm. a lot of them will you know if they're not trying to find out and until they start to have like symptoms of pregnancy and stuff like that they find out at probably six to eight weeks
1: yeah something like that
0: and a baby's heartbeat you know (laughs) a tiny little heart is pumping at about five weeks, maybe even earlier than that that. yeah Yeah. four weeks
2: earlier earlier than that (laughs) (laughs) i know it's amazing with just the advances in technology that they say that a baby's heartbeat is actually starting to function around 21 days wow yeah (laughs) isn't that
0: amazing (laughs) to think about from going from a fertilized egg and 21 days later you have this beating heart that shows how amazing god's design is (laughs) Mm. and uh as science you know real science progresses to show us the window to the womb we can see more of what's going on and see how just how lively a baby is at such a short time after conception you know that's pretty amazing but then it's also pretty concerning given the current politics and the push for abortions and so most of the time when a woman's going to take this abortion pill she's going to be killing and discarding a little baby with a beating heart and hands and feet and killing a baby it's a baby it's a human at conception to point out here but unbeknownst to a lot of people taking this pill they're not just discarding a blob of tissue killing and discarding a baby with arms and legs and fingers and toes and eyes and face and a beating heart and that's what the political push is is to make this abortion pill much more available than it is and especially during COVID-19 it's an excuse to make abortion pill very available like (laughs) almost invisibly available you know it's something that people will take private in their homes and as we talked about in the last episode the push is to have the abortion pill available via telemedicine and to get it mailed and then you take it in the privacy of your home and you have an abortion and so that is very tragic and shows the immoral culture of death going on right now And then we pointed out in the last episode, of course, even not taking into consideration the primary issue of what the abortion bill does in taking the life of the unborn, it's also detrimental or could possibly have complications or harm to the woman's health herself. And so we talked about that. We're going to talk about that even a little bit now as we cover some history on the abortion pill. (laughs) So right before we do that, I was just right a few minutes before we started recording. I was looking at an article from Google News on my phone by a Kelly Cleland on august 21st so a few days ago as of the recording for scientific american the article is entitled the fda should remove its restrictions on the abortion pill mifepristone and so (laughs) let's see We talked about some of the uh, problems and risks uh, the last episode, last week, but Kelly here says in the article, quote, less than 1% of patients experienced a serious complication and effective, uh, the the appeal was effective, about 95% had a successful abortion without a follow-up procedure, unquote now that sounds like good statistics but let's think about what that implies you know less than one percent or about one percent that's one out of a hundred that have serious complication but it's good because it's less than one percent you know and then about 95 percent had a successful abortion without a follow-up procedure to me that doesn't sound very positive for the women here and especially as we're talking about increasing accessibility for this abortion pill by mailing it out to people who might not be thinking about the best thing for themselves even after killing the baby that there could be even this statistics could probably end up going up (laughs) yeah what do you think so i think sweetheart (laughs)
2: I was trying to look through my notes right quick because I was thinking that the statistics I saw were different than the ones you just read. Oh, like yeah. Like for the efficacy of actually following through with the entire abortion Pill and not having to have any surgical procedures. I was thinking it was actually about eighty-eight to ninety percent. Yeah, it could, what,
0: very well could be. Yeah, yeah, because then, then the last episode from that Rx List site it mentions two to seven percent will have to have a follow-up procedure to avoid serious problems like remnants from the baby the terminated pregnancy as they would call it that have to be removed and of course you're you're mailing a pill but then trying to avoid the face-to-face well you know you'd end up with having the face-to-face there with these complications and that's two to seven percent there but i think that number is going to go up with more mail-in abortion pills
2: Exactly, because right now we're looking at statistics based on having more restrictions on who gets the medication, how they get it. Having that certified provider have that actually in-person visit and they're supposed to do an ultrasound to determine the age and location viability of the pregnancy before they even give this. And we're still seeing kind of high statistics as far as failure rate and complications. But now if we're eliminating, pulling back all these different safety nets, even, we're going to see those numbers go way up. And I don't see how this is supposed to be more friendly or promoting women's rights
0: and women's health.
2: Yeah, it's promoting women's death, yeah. or uh, at least complications. And yeah, it makes you just cringe when you think about how they promote it so much and lie about that this is to help women and free women and give them this access. And they're going to yeah be able to do it more secretively mm-hmm. and uh, not be emotionally distraught by protesters going into the abortion clinic Okay, but if you look at the potential risks of removing those restrictions, I think emotional distress from protesters is better than possibly dying because you're taking something that you're not even sure is appropriate for you to take or not when you're doing it by a mail-in. And just kind of looking at some of the sites where you can get this, there are really no restrictions on it right now anyways, so... I mean, I know we're still kind of transitioning from the whole pandemic phase of things, but I know there's a huge push and we'll probably get into that with our history here of how they want to extend getting access, removing RIMS from the whole picture to where it's not just limited to the pandemic where they can do mail-in abortion pills, but they want to be able to make this anytime, anywhere.
0: Yeah, so Suyar, you mentioned this REMS, R E M S. Can you explain briefly what that is? It's something that the way of categorizing with the uh, restrictions that the FDA puts on um, certain drugs.
2: Right. So REMS stands for Risk Evaluation and Mitigation Strategies. And that's just a safety monitoring that the FDA puts in place to just have some more yeah, safety nets in place for medications that have potential of either abuse or overdose or there might be some complications. And they just want that uh, more interaction with the provider and patient to make sure we're not missing anything that could cause more harm than good. And that's what a lot of providers, patients, pharmacists have to kind of weigh out with these medications because, of course, every medication has its side effects. And so you look at, okay, do the side effects outweigh the benefits? then we're not going to give it or do the benefits outweigh the side effects. And so it's always a lot of good judgment on both the provider, the administrator, like the patient, the pharmaceuticals. Like there's so many people that have to kind of make that judgment call as to whether medication is safe enough or not. Um, And interestingly, there's only 61 medications that are actually on the REMS list. And Mifeprestone is one of those medications because it is contraindicated in pregnancy and has the risk of, okay, not only, yes, it causes the abortion, but the factor of it can cause severe bleeding. And so that's why they have it on that safety monitoring system there called REMS. Some other common medications like testosterone is on there and um, some of the psychiatric medications, uh, some pain medications, cancer medications. So there's quite a few medications out there that you're like, oh, yeah, we definitely want those on there because we know those could cause serious complications. We want to make sure we're doing as much as we can to ensure the safety of that patient. And now all of a sudden this one, because it is an abortion pill Mm. and it has all that political stuff with it.
0: It's all about rights.
2: (laughs) Now all of a sudden we don't care about safety. We are going to remove every possible safety net to make sure women can have access to this. And that is just (laughs) so anti what we're supposed to be as providers and helping our patients. And it's just... It just doesn't Ugh.
0: seem compatible with the Hippocratic oath. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> So, the ending, to quote that article, Scientific American, trying to make the case for permanently removing the restrictions, (laughs) it says, quote, With every passing year since the approval of mifepristone in 2000, research documenting its safety and efficacy grows, and each study reinforces and builds upon the last. We have more than enough high-quality data to support reconsidering how mifepristone is regulated and to remove the REMS. Doing so will not be a panacea for abortion access, given the complex web of abortion restrictions that many states impose, but it's a necessary step toward bringing medication abortion care, of course, care, (laughs) into line with the science. It's time, unquote, so trying to make the case that the abortion pill is incredibly safe it's been demonstrated to be safe for two decades now but politics has left it on the REMS list the FDA caved into political pressure to put it on the REMS list even though the scientists at the FDA know better right but you know because of politics they out of fear they did this so that's why I've seen a lot of articles trying to claim this because a Allegedly, it's safer than Tylenol, according to Cecil Richards, as we explained last episode, but of course, that's not true. As we argued in the last episode. <laughs> So, (laughs) let's get into some history of this pill, since it was approved by the FDA in the year 2000. So, each of us have some notes on that, and the notes I have are from Carol Novielli in an article for LiveAction.org entitled, The Abortion Pill, So Dangerous It Needs a Rare Safety Requirement so it was called ru46 when the fda approved it in the year 2000 if you're not familiar with that label that's is it the medical the lab uh name for this particular drug it's uh more commonly known as Mifaprestone, as we mentioned uh the brand officially recognized brand is MiFaprex. so in the year 2003 Carol Novielli mentions an 18-year-old died from sepsis because planned parenthood gave her an unapproved off-brand version of the pill and her father testified that he discovered that there were at least 10 reported deaths from off-brand pills now not all of these were reported to the FDA at least that's what he heard at the time as he testified so, in other words, a baby died and this uh, father's daughter, you know, so the baby and the baby's mother died because of an industry pushing to make a buck off the culture of death. So, Ms. Novielli continues to document, I haven't, I didn't cite every year here, but mm-hmm. something, some statistics that are relevant here, so thank you, Carol Novielli. Uh, in 2005... The FDA issued two public health advisories about the documented health hazards and deaths from the abortion pill, especially from off-brand pills. Abortionist Dr. Philip Darney wrote in Conception magazine that the percentage of deaths to women from the pills was about three times that of surgical abortions. Now, today, a lot of pro abortion advocates will say that the pill is safer than surgical abortions. Of course, you know, both of those are tragic murders, but technically, medically speaking, for the life of the mother, you know, if you're c- comparing bad with worse, I know, sweetheart, you mentioned that the pill is actually more dangerous to the woman than the surgical abortion, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so by the year 2010, the FDA knew of eight deaths from the pill. These are reported, and of course we mentioned in the last episode, there's a lot that's not reported to the FDA. This is just what's reported to the FDA. I'm quite sure the real number due to unreported abortions in many states is much higher, but let's go with this figure. Remember that this is a 10-year span so far. So from 2000 to 2010, there are eight deaths um, reported to the FDA as a result of the abortion pill. By 2011, 14 women had reportedly died. So we add uh, five there in the one year prompting the FDA to include my Mifeprex in REMS. So, there we go. Because there was a spike in reported deaths, that <laughs> was why the FDA added to the REMS list. But, of course, pro-abortion advocates would say that it's because of politics. So, the rate of deaths started to climb. But, uh, mentioned now, here by 2018, the reported deaths were 24. So, That means that, let's see, we said 2000 to 2010, eight reported deaths. 2010 to 2018, the total's at 24, so that means that the total tripled in 8 years from what it was reported in the span of 10 years prior to that. So, that means that the rate of reported deaths has been going up here. So, shouldn't that make the case for why it's a little more dangerous and so we are, you have some more to say about uh, some of this history here?
2: Yeah, I found it interesting that in 2016, the FDA actually approved making a drug label for mifepristone um, to include that it can be used for early pregnancy termination mm. and otherwise known as abortion. Whereas before 2016, it was only used off-label. And I know mm. we talked a little bit about that can be common in medications on that last episode but that same year in 2016 the obama administration actually weakened the rems restrictions on the abortion pill and the part that they weakened was that they didn't require reporting of complications Mm. hmm And we still have a spike going on with reported deaths, but they're saying, oh, well, we don't want to know that. So we're going to lift some of these restrictions and not require that you report if there are complications or deaths associated with that.
0: Sounds like they really cared about the health and safety of women there, huh? (laughs) Sounds very scientific to me, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And then in 2017, the ACLU actually filed a lawsuit against the FDA challenging the REMS requirements because, quote, low rates of complications, unquote. <laughs> These restrictions actually cause undue burden on women who seek the abortion pill.
0: <laughs> yeah. And there were thousands of reported complications. Right?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Just looking at the political, we just want everything to be accessible and they don't care about the women. And that's the part that I think is so frustrating because that's what they advertise. That's what they promote is Mm -hmm. that they care about women. And when you look at things like this where they're like, okay, the evidence, the science, everything keeps indicating that this is going to harm women. And they just turn and look the other way and ignore that. And that's where we're going to see more babies harmed, of course, and more women harmed. And it's just very sad.
0: Yes, and as I mentioned in the last episode, when you don't respect the life of the unborn, why should you respect the life of the born, and especially women? You know, why should we respect the life of children? Why should we respect the life of women? And the whole propaganda is all about women's rights, but how is it women's rights if you don't really care to report issues and concerns and complications with something that's harming women? women
2: so then we come to Mm. our lovely 2020 year oh yeah (laughs)
0: COVID-19 and how that's affected the whole abortion industry here
2: yes so in May of 2020 ACOG which is the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and other provider groups actually filed a lawsuit challenging the REMS requirement as well and specifically they were challenging the part that it has to be dispensed in person And they felt like the pandemic because it increased the risk of both the woman and the provider to have to see them in person. And some states were even more restrictive that they shut down any walk-in type of clinics. So they felt that the in-person was causing more harm and forcing women to be pregnant during the pandemic since they didn't have access to it. So that was in May. Then in July of 2020, the federal district court required temporary suspension of REMS. So the federal court allowed the pill, the abortion pill, to be dispensed without having in-person visits. And that was when we opened the can of worms for this Mm -hmm. and the pro-abortion industry. So in January of 2021, before Trump left office, Hmm.
0: Or changed over... Uh, yes. <laughs> the change of power. <laughs> power changed hands.
2: Um, the Trump administration appealed this ruling at the federal district court. And the Supreme Court ruled in favor. So now they enforced the in-person dispensing of the MIFA press down again. So that was in January. But now April of this year, April 12th, 2021... The FDA's Center for Drug Evaluation and Research, or the CDER, informed ACOG that they will, quote, exercise enforcement discretion, unquote, Mm -hmm. regarding in-person dispensing requirements. So basically this allows providers anywhere to dispense the abortion pill without having to do any in-person visits as long as their state doesn't have any restricting laws that would contradict that and so right now there are 17 states that don't have any restrictions with um doing in-person visits and dispensing it via telemedicine or mail so of course colorado california (laughs) new york are some of the states that allow free access through the mail to get the abortion pill.
0: Yeah, what's interesting with what you said there, the FDA is using their discretion even as the Supreme Court ruled that the mail-in thing couldn't be enforced that there'd be a restriction there and it seems kind of like legal positivism on the part of the fda there because of their concern about the pro-abortion politics and organizations like acogs as you mentioned the fda doesn't want to be subject to various lawsuits by those who want to push for mail and abortions and it's just interesting how with that you know And, of course, President Biden, you know, is in favor of the mail and abortions in his cabinet, and how president biden doesn't seem to regard supreme court rulings if they go against uh, their agenda you know i mean it's not like i really like the supreme court anyway i don't trust them as far as i could throw them and so on like that but it's just interesting because often people on the left when the supreme court rules and things that they favor they act like it's <laughs> it's uh, laws come down from heaven but they then, okay, when the Supreme Court actually rules against things, it's just like, well, we're going to ignore what the Supreme Court says, you know. So the whole thing with the Supreme Court kind of not allowing the mail in abortions, but then we're going to do it anyway. The FDA is going to do it anyway. And the same thing where the Supreme Court ruled against extending the moratorium for evictions uh, with the whole pandemic and the moratorium that said that you couldn't evict a tenant for not paying rent because they're going to suspend the need to pay rent and then the landlords would have to apply to get funding to reimburse them for not charging tenants rent and it's a big mess that way but um, the supreme court had ruled that Trying to extend the moratorium that they ruled against that, and Biden himself, you know, was like basically saying, "We're going to figure out how to work this out," even you know, because he wanted to extend it, and you know, just ignore the Supreme Court ruling on that. And so, <laughs> the activist left doesn't like any kind of setbacks or restrictions on their agenda. <laughs>
2: So I remembered what I was trying to think of earlier with the restrictions in different states and how there's 17 states that don't have restrictions. A lot of the websites where you can get the abortion pills, they will actually give you directions on how to fake your residency and your address to where you can still get the abortion pill if even though you live in a state that it would not allow that so it just goes to show you to what extent these people are so determined to yeah. make sure women are getting the abortion pill, and the abortion pill is kind of expensive. I think it's yeah. three hundred to six hundred dollars.
0: And, of course, that's why there's all this push to get rid of the Hyde Amendment, you know. Of course, the Hyde Amendment isn't the be-all end-all for pro-life, but the Hyde Amendment is, uh, like, currently in place. It forbids federal funding for abortions, so whatever health care laws are put into place, they cannot pay for abortions using federal taxes, and President Biden actually used to be in favor of that. But, of course, with his this election cycle, the only way he could win support of the Democratic vote was to favor the hard left and campaign against the Hyde Amendment. And so, I, I, you know, I suspect that with the whole push for mail-in abortions and how expensive they are, and, of course, all the increased demand, which could push up prices with that kind of pressure there— There will be a strong campaign to get rid of the Hyde Amendment so that um, you and I can pay for this extravagancy with spreading the abortion pill far and wide and paying for it with your taxes and trying to make it free for those who want it at your expense.
2: (laughs) We were just reading an email that we received, I think it was through Life News. Mm. And there's a lot of websites out there, too, that will actually raise money and let you donate to pay for another Mm. woman's abortion if she can't afford it. And they will send you a sticker (laughs) in the mail that says, I paid... Uh, I funded or, an
0: abortion, yes, something like that. I funded yeah. an abortion, yeah. <laughs> so we have crowdfunding for abortions now. Yeah. Mm. Ugh. You know, <laughs> your chair, you know, charity at work there.
1: <laughs>
2: mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's horrible.
1: <laughs> Would you help with a donation to Striving for Eternity? Let me let you know what your donation helps with. We travel overseas to places like Canada to the Philippines, elsewhere, to go and preach the good news of Jesus Christ, to teach people where they don't have as much opportunity as we have here in America. We go all over the country to be able to preach and teach, to teach people how to interpret God's Word. So when they open God's Word and handle it for themselves, they know how to accurately handle God's Word. That's the heart we have. We want to be about discipling God's children. If you give a donation, regardless of any amount, we would be very grateful, but we'd also like to bless you. So if you give a donation of $2, we are going to give you a free copy of What Do We Believe, a book that I had wrote about the Christian theology. If you give a donation of $5 a month, we will give you... That book that I mentioned, plus What Do They Believe, which is a book I wrote about world religions. If you're willing to give $10 a month, we will give you the two books mentioned, plus On the Origin of Kinds, a book Dr. Anthony Silvestro wrote that deals with evangelism, presuppositional apologetics and Creation Science all put together so you see how to use them. If you give a donation of $20 a month, we will give you the three books mentioned plus the book Sharing the Good News with Mormons. 24 different authors giving 24 different ways to evangelize the Mormons, but many of them work for just evangelism period and are great tactics to use. We would greatly appreciate a donation of $25 a month, and what we would look to do with that is give it away. If you give us $25, we're going to seek to give away $25 as part of our ministry as the Christian Podcast Community, and Striving for Eternity wants to help get missionaries to get their mission out. So if you give us $25 a month, we are going to commit to trying to look for missionaries that we can give them podcasting equipment and hosting so that they would be able to get their message of what they're doing on the mission field to their supporting churches, rather than sending a a letter that is a mission report that many people don't read but they'll listen to a podcast and when the missionary is at that church man, they're going to say, hey, listen to my podcast people will subscribe and then they're going to hear in the missionary's own voice what's going on. Instead of when the missionary comes to town and they show pictures of people you don't know no, it's different when you've heard the missionary say, I led this person to Christ I've been discipling this person, this is what's happening with this person and now you see the picture oh, what a joy it is now, if you could do more than that, we certainly will not turn it away and you'll still get the four bucks. We are in need of your support. We value the money donated to us. And if we have provided value to you, may you consider helping us to help others. It would be greatly appreciated. Just go to strivingforeternity.org to donate today. Thank you for considering it.
2: So should we talk about our experience with Planned Parenthood?
0: Oh,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> so the part you've all been waiting for, right? <laughs> Yeah. So on Saturday, uh, August 7th, our family decided to do something unusual. There was an event with Students for Life. They organized this event to have supporters or people go out to uh, Planned Parenthoods and do some side sidewalk chalking (laughs) so basically take some chalk uh, you could sign up for this event and then they sent you some free chalk that you could use to write some messages do some drawings and so for this uh, organized day we went and did that and you have some details about that sweetheart
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. So I thought it was kind of cool um, to receive that email from Students for Life and just talking about this event that they wanted to try and get across the whole nation that everyone about on the same day or, you know, around the same time if possible could go to a local Planned Parenthood and just write some messages on the sidewalk for moms to see as they go in and I just think that like yeah it's I mean peaceful type of thing but still powerful type of way to give messages to these women and I mean we had messages of hope and talking about like the abortion pill reversal and I mean it was so sweet like in preparation for it I you know the Students for Life even sent some pamphlets with their chalk and shirts and just to kind of give people who maybe haven't done this before some information on what they can say, what not to say, pamphlets like that have information you could even give the women. And I know we put together some little goodie bags that I hand out to women from our clinic, and it had some information about abortion or even a miscarriage and just how to reach out and get help if they need to. Unfortunately, we didn't really Mm. have the opportunity to hand one of those bags out. but So, yeah, just a lot of prayer before we went there as well and just talking with our kids about what we're going to do so they understand the whole ramification. It was so sweet, too. (laughs) We were telling them, like, okay, we're going into a battle tomorrow, so we're going to pray tonight. And one of our boys was like, we're going into battle. Like, <laughs> he's thinking soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, okay, remember spiritual <laughs> See, battle, um,
0: <laughs> weak spiritual wickedness in high places. <laughs>
2: yeah. And just talking about like, okay, we need to equip ourselves. Like Ephesians says, In putting on the full armor of God and um, just talking about how Planned Parenthood tells lies to these women that their pregnancy, it doesn't have a baby inside them. It's just a blob of tissue and um, it's okay if they do this and it won't hurt them and it's safe and Just all the different lies Planned Parenthood tells them, and we want to go there to try and tell them truth and show them love and hopefully get them help. And so it was just kind of fun. I grew up um, doing different pro-life events and stuff, and it's been a while since I've done it, Mm, and I have to say it's totally different Oh, yes. once you have your own children yeah, this—that so, <laughs> was pretty emotional
0: <laughs> yeah i know I, I was pretty emotional there too you know when i'd see someone walk into the clinic then it was just like i had all i could do not to just break down and then seeing them walk out is the same thing and yeah. i mean it's definitely precious to see our kids <laughs> <laughs> you know writing the messages uh chalking the messages on the sidewalk There, like okay it's these kids that we know should not be aborted we love them they're precious and they're our children and now they're trying to write uh messages on the sidewalks to tell people walking the clinic uh, not to kill their babies and
2: Yeah, so I know, like, some of the pictures the kids drew were, like, a picture of a baby with a heart, and it said, um, the heart is beating at, I think he wrote four weeks, which is fine, (laughs) three to four (laughs) weeks, and, yeah, little tiny babies with mommy Mm. trying to hold them, (laughs) I think you even drew a baby. Today, yeah, I, right? I
0: drew like a kind of a outline drawing of like a a baby in the fetal position there, with right. a heart in the middle, and then yeah, and trying to remember some of the messages I I wrote there and one of them about like you can never be undone you know just trying to think of you know if someone's walking in there and they just happen to glance out of curiosity to see what these drawings are what's a message that would just possibly immediately resonate in their mind just thinking about you know what you're going to do, it can never be undone. You know, like maybe that would help someone just think twice about this. It's not like, it's not like a video game restart, you know, hit the restart button and try again. No.
2: Yeah. Um, I know there are a couple different people that went in that were close enough to us that I hmm. asked them if they would be interested in getting more information and they would just put their head down and keep walking. Hmm. And yeah. I know when we first got to the clinic, I was like, okay, I'm not sure how long we're going to make it out here. Will we even be able to actually set up and oh, yeah. start drawing anything? Or we might get one little mark on there and before some of the clinic workers come out and shoo <laughs> yeah. us away. But we actually were able to get all of our... Drawings down, uh, yeah. and then
0: I think that was providence there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, God's providence there because it was quiet. The, yeah. Really, when so we had a chance, I uh, ended up running out of chalk. <laughs> <laughs> I used up the, uh, all my chalk to write as all as many messages as I could on the sidewalk there, and you know we wrote it like not directly in front of the door, but kind of to the sides of the door. So, you know, enough where people can see them clearly walking in, but not where the workers, because the doors there were glass doors and glass walls where they could look out and see us there. And you
2: know. Yeah, and also we had to make sure we were doing it on public side, yes. walking not private. So yes. <laughs> that was another factor. But yeah, I know quite a few people saw the messages mm-hmm. yeah. that we wrote and... Then we saw a group, uh, about three Catholics, mm, yeah. down on a, another sidewalk. So then we ventured over there to meet them, and we were able to give them some of my cards to hand out to women if they're interested in abortion pill reversal. And oh, yeah. So it was kind of neat just to be able to see like other people that are, may not have the same religious beliefs as we, but they are still standing up for yeah. life. And yeah. Yeah a uh,
0: one guy had the is it 40 days i forget what's it called <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i know that's a it's then it's a particular campaign there yeah. oh, 40 days for life okay. okay yeah so yeah holding a sign that had 40 days for life so yeah we had we had, uh, had some friendly conversation there with them and thanking them for what they're doing there to protest planned parenthood for showing the signs there as people would drive by we heard some people honk and you know in approval and then other people you know show their disapproval as they drove by and yeah (laughs) that's always fun yeah yell (laughs) uh, say some not nice things and
2: um (laughs) <laughs> and then it was i was guessing we were there for about an hour don't you
0: think yeah uh, chatting with them getting to know them what they do how long they've been there and what kind of um clinic stuff you, you're doing sweetheart and trying to get started there and with the abortion reversal pill and i know that i, I didn't mention it but in, the, in my mind uh, like after the catholics there you know were are doing some prayers and stuff like that then at some point i'm thinking like do I, I want to talk to with them about the gospel and stuff. But then, you know, it was kind of like, okay, it's time to go. But yeah, so then we saw the clinic workers start to come out because someone walked into the clinic, noticed the drawings there and were not happy and figured like, okay, we we should let the workers in there know about it so they could do something about it. So then we saw the clinic workers come out and see the drawings on the sidewalk there and then they got out some buckets and water and start pouring water and washing it off and you know what did you see them doing there so we are i i uh, was trying to do something you know like i was somehow i had um, missed it but you were
2: talking with oh yes catholic yeah i was talking with there. one of
0: the catholic guys there yeah. and then
2: and yeah so i saw the workers come out and just start dumping the buckets of soapy water on the chalk it's like okay, well, at least it lasted longer than I thought. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, thank you, God, that, you know, some women definitely saw that message. Yeah. But then I was just appalled at how evil these workers were and just their way of washing away the chalk. Like they were kind of dancing around to wash it away, like mm-hmm. stomping on it, and yeah. I don't, they were just trying to make an obvious scene that they were getting rid of and disapproved of mm. what we wrote on there. And I'm just mm-hmm. thinking, like, okay, to me that's so immature and <laughs> yeah. evil yeah. because who doesn't like cute little kids' chalk drawings? <laughs> <Yeah>. Drawings
0: <laughs> like, of cute little babies, you know, I in know. the womb, you know.
2: <laughs> but people that yeah. kill babies for a living... Mm-hmm. Of course they're going to do that. And then um we were starting to head out and the workers were just becoming a little more aggressive mm. as far as trying to get pictures of us or our vehicle and
0: yeah So we're loading Mm. up the kids, um, you know, into our van. And then um, I noticed that you're in the back (laughs) there with our littlest one, you know, after we put uh, some stuff in the back. But then I noticed like, okay, you're standing there for a while kind of playing with her. And then I'm like wondering, you know, like, okay, is she just entertaining (laughs) her there in the back? And then you kind of made some face expressions that kind of pointed. And then, you know, I turned and then noticed the clinic workers there were standing there with their phones trying to take pictures so they're wanting to take pictures of our license plate and you're standing there trying to cover it up and hoping that you know if they it's almost like a stare down thing they're standing there waiting for you to move and you're standing there waiting for them to move and you know and so we're wondering like okay you know we know that they're trying to contact police you know to get us in trouble there and so as if we did something wrong but you know we just did what the students for life event had us do which you know as far as we knew wasn't illegal it wasn't vandalism or anything like that it was chalk drawings on public sidewalks which should be legal but i think they just wanted to intimidate us
2: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> oh and one more thing that i thought that was really disheartening mm. was when we'd see i know there are at least two women yes two different women that we saw
0: and they got the abortion and pill the so abortion that's where pill. how this ties into what we're talking about yeah. they yeah, they went in to and then they came out with the brown paper bags, which, you know, means that it's like a discreet way to house the abortion pills that they would take at home and yeah. kill the baby and possibly, you know, harm themselves in the process. But yeah. yeah. And I remember when we were standing there before we got into the van, I remember one of the young ladies who got it noticing, you know, looking at us pro-lifers there protesting. And I could see she had this, like, before she got into her car, she's just standing there staring at us with this kind of sinister smile, like, I win, you lose, kind of attitude. And, yeah, yeah, that was very disheartening there and Mm -hmm. and like going to drive off, but then she kind of stopped, you know, and en route to just kind of look at us and see what or we're doing and see how she's affecting us and stuff like that. But, yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah, so that was interesting and disheartening, and yeah, and of course, who knows if someone like that is not going to end up, you know, who knows what happened to her, who knows if she regretted or anything later, or if there's going to be anything in the future, you know because we've talked about on earlier episodes how after 10 years or 20 years so someone who gets an abortion they kind of hide it they kind of become callous to it but then later on in life it can come back to haunt them and depress them and because they realize what it means and yeah
2: yeah So I think, I mean, these episodes are just a good reminder that this battle is real and it goes on every day. And I guess like being there at Planned Parenthood just makes it even more real because when you talk about it or you read articles about it, you're not face to face with it. And so being there and seeing those women come out with that is just another level of reality that. Wow, we have this battle for life right now, and we can't just sit back and bury our heads in the sand Mm -hmm. and act as if it's going to blow over or... You know, if we get the right people in office, everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. We have to be active and we have to be bold. And I know like we've been talking with our kids about different examples in the Bible of characters that stood for truth and stood up for their faith and what they believed in. And just remembering that, that we live in evil days and we need to stand up for Christ and stand up for these women and these children.
0: Amen, sweetheart. And so I'd like to end by reading this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. The Apostle Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And so, I think that's apropos showing what the battle against abortion is and the abortion pill. Revenging disobedience And realizing that our weapons are not carnal, they're not swords and guns here, but pulling down the strongholds of the devil through and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And I pray that we've demonstrated the knowledge of God and how unbiblical this abortion pill and the powers behind it are to the destruction of the unborn and of women. And so hope that um, you've enjoyed these two episodes talking about the abortion pill, and that you will join us in this fight against the wiles of the devil, this war on the unborn, this war against women, and all in the name of profiteering off of people's lives, not respecting life, and this culture of death here. And so stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso.